goes, is that supposed to be played on accident or what? Anyway, my name is Father Nathaniel. I'm a priest here at St. Mark Church, and welcome to The Eight, which is our second service here at St. Mark Church. That quote, or that clip, is one of the most iconic clips in sports history. So maybe for looking at the faces of a lot of you, you're like, what in the world is that? So let me just give you some context. On October 30th, 2002, a reporter asked Herm Edwards a question about, you know, how their team is doing. And he's like, and he's basically saying, we're not playing just to play. We're here to win the game. Hello? This is the entire quote of what he said. We play to win the game. We don't play just to play. We have an obligation as a player. Or so he's saying, you have an obligation as a player, as an athlete at any level. And it doesn't matter what sport it is. When you sign on, you sign on. You prepare that week to go win. I don't care about your schedule or how many people got hurt. It doesn't matter. You owe it to the people in the building and the guys in the huddle to prepare yourself to win. You play to win the game. You're not playing just for the sake of playing. This is an NFL head coach saying this. In every aspect of your life, there is a win. Maybe you wouldn't use the word win, but there's a win for your life. You determine what's important to you, and you move in that direction, and you're moving toward the win. For example, just this morning, you just said you made a conscious effort, and you said, you know what? There's a part of me that wants to be lazy and kind of just slouch on the couch and kind of watch, uh, you know, watch the pregame on, uh, on, on TV and just do nothing, sit in my pajamas, enjoy coffee. But I want to push myself to go for the win, which is I want to invest a little bit more into who God is, if he really is there. I want to take that step toward him so that way I can make better life, decision, better life decisions and just be better at life if I pursue that, that invisible divine being. If he's there or not, I'm just curious. I want to take a step in that direction. That's a win. That's a win of you moving in that direction. You have a win for your career, right? You have a win maybe in your marriage, maybe with your kids. But you define a win in every aspect of your life consciously or subconsciously. And you wouldn't use the word win, but you have a goal in mind of where you are trying to go. I'm about to ask you a question for you to answer. But if you don't answer this question, if you don't define the answer to this question as far as what is your win in your life, you're going to end up being what King Solomon said in the 10th century BC, is that you're just living life chasing the wind. You're living life as if you're just chasing the wind. And if you do not define the win in your life, you'll adopt someone else's win. Single people, if your win is just to date and your, 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 your win is just to get married, then you're going to end up in the same statistical outcome. If your goal is just to date, if your goal is just to, is just to get married, you might fall into that because you're following the win from everyone else. If you don't have a win for yourself, you're going to end up just spending money just like everybody else. On Black Friday, on Cyber Monday, you're just going to follow what everyone else because you're following somebody else's win. Parents, if you don't have a win for your kids, you're just going to end up parenting like everyone else is parenting. Define the win. What is your win? Some of you would say, well, my win or my goal is, are, are not goals. Like some, some psychologists call them not goals. Not goals like, well, my win for my, for my kids 
is that, you know, I do not parent them like I was parented. Those are, those are not goals. Those are not goals. You're just wanting to do what you did not experience, what you experienced yourself. You want to make sure you do the opposite. Those are not goals. That's not a win. That's just you wanting to do what you experienced, and you want to make sure that you don't do it. Well, I don't want to spend like them. Well, I don't want to have a family like them. So those are not goals. You're just pointing out those are not goals. But what is the win in your life? For marriage, look at our society. What's a win for marriage right now in our society is, well, you know, we're still together. We didn't get divorced. That's the win. That's where the bar is of where marriage is. Well, we're still together. So, you know, we're, we're till death to us part. You know, that, that just, just they think how dark that sounds. That's where the bar is for where marriage is. Well, at least we're still together. Well, you know, we stuck it out. Is that where the bar is? Is that the, is that the design of marriage? Just stick it out for tax purposes or just for the kids? Is that, is, is, that where, is that the divine design of where marriage was designed to be? Parents, what's the win for your kids? Just for them to behave? Maybe you wouldn't say that, or maybe you wouldn't write it down as a win, because it seems kind of shallow. You just want them to behave. Christian or not, assess your win. What is your win in different aspects of your life? What I want to share now is a win statement from an early, histor not a historian, but an early person in the first century. History calls him Saul of Tarsus, because he, like, ancient literature would call somebody but from the city they were from. So his name was Saul, and he was from the city of modern-day Turkey called Tarsus. So his name was Saul of Tarsus. But in Christian history, we know him because of the impact that he has had on, on world history and in Christian history. We know him as St. Paul the Apostle. So his name did change. But it's so interesting about this man is that he was an extremist. He was a Jewish extremist. So the definition of a Jewish extremist is that you are on a mission to, to, to persecute and kill people who are not in Judaism. That's an extremist. But he went from, Judea, from, 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 from being a Jewish extremist to being a Christian extremist. Like he, he experienced something in his life and through personal experiences and events in his life, he went from being a Jewish extremist to a Christian extremist. What makes it so, like when you hear someone being an extremist, it sounds kind of bad, like I don't want to be around an extremist. But the beautiful thing about what Christian extremism looks like, a Christian extremist means that you are extending love with no boundaries. And you are honoring, you are submitting, you are respecting, you are loving every single person that comes in front of you regardless of their worldview. And you are there to, to, to edify them and to love them and to honor them and submit to them. This is what Christian extremism, and this is his journey, how we went from, from, from Jewish extremism to Christian extremism. And he goes by the title in Christian history as being called the Apostle. So the apostle means as someone who is continuing the movement of what Jesus of Nazareth started. So he is part of that movement of what we know as being the church. So he was part of that first century Christian movement of the church. So he is an apostle of, 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 of spreading the command of love one another that Jesus implemented, that he told his disciples and apostles for, for them to spread it to every corner of the world. This is an ancient icon following Coptic iconography of St. Paul the Apostle. And maybe it's kind of hard for you to see in this picture, but the beautiful thing about of, of ancient iconography or Orthodox iconography is that there's a story to be told. So this icon of St. Paul the Apostle is that you see him standing um, around, a, like a, a, there's a body of water in the middle. This is to portray, or this is to show the historical fact that he became a light to people around the Medita Mediterranean rim. This is where he had the most amount of impact 
on, on first century Christianity are people living around the Mediterranean Rim. So you kind of see that around him. And in his hand, he's holding a bunch of scrolls. Those are letters that he sent to various cities and different groups of people to try to edify them, for, for him to just be vulnerable and show them the way toward the fullness of life, which is found in Jesus Christ. So an icon shows many different things um, of, of who he is being history we call him Saul of Tarsus we know him as Saint Paul the Apostle now I want to share part of a letter that he wrote to the city of Greece a letter that he wrote to the city of Greece um, and he wrote this to the Corinthians which is the city of Corinth and he said this to them for I am the least of the Apostles and do not even deserve to be called an Apostle because I persecuted the church of God he's saying Listen, yeah, I, yeah I, I am trying to take my weakness and wanting to empower others for them to see the light of Christ just as I experienced in my life. But man, I don't, I don't know if I could put, be put on the same pedestal as Peter and James and Andrew, all these great guys, because you know, I, I had a tough past. Like, I, I'm not the proudest of it, but you know what? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. It's like, yeah, you know what? I, I can't deny my past. But you know what? I am what I am. And I know my Heavenly Father is going to take my past and use that to be the biggest catalyst for me to be the biggest impact to my life and to those around me and to make my life better and those around me to make their life better because of the personal experience that I had. I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect because His grace working with me is, is, is I can't even put it into words, but I know He's wanting to take my past and allow it to empower me and to work within me and to shed light to others just as through my weakness God worked in me. It is not without effect. His grace is working within me in a way I can't even understand. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. He takes pride. He's like, I'm working hard. Yeah, I am working hard because I know God is taking my weakness and allowing it to bring light to others. I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I. It's not me doing it. I'm not saying, yeah, look at me. I'm Paul, apostle, man. People are going to name kids after me. He's not saying that. Not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Now, here's his win. What's his win for his life? Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So, Paul, what's your win in life? to win as many as possible. And now he elaborates, and he explains why this is his win in his life. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. Pause, time out. So St. Paul is saying now he's a Christian, now he's going to become a Jew again, he's going to convert back and reverse. No, he's saying, to the Jews, I thought like them. I ate like them. I talked the way they were talking about. If they're talking about Jewish sports, okay, I talk about Jewish sports to them. If they're talking about Jewish economy, I'll talk about Jewish economy. I, I became like them. I became one with them, to, to, to connect with them in a, in a relational level. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. What is he saying there? To those who are just, you know, YOLO and just kind of just doing their own thing and are not living by no, uh, by no law of their own, have no boundaries, and they're just kind of doing whatever they want. Okay, you know, I, I, I kind of bond with them. I, I don't want to live their type of lifestyle, but you know what? I can bond with them. I can connect to them. I can say, hey, you down for, for grabbing coffee next week? I can, I, can, I can bond with them. I can connect with them. But I'm not like them, but I want to be one with them. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. Why? So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, 
but I am under Christ's law. What is Christ's law? Christ's law is what he said on Thursday night, his last night on earth. He said, one command I give you. Jesus, talking to a bunch of Jewish men. One command I give you. Two, love one another. To Jewish men, like, what? Well, aren't there supposed to be like 14 points and three sub points for you know, all, all the commands that we need to know, Jesus? This is one command I give you, to love one another. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. This is his win. Now he's talking to the country, which is the origin of the Olympics, okay? So he knows his audience, he knows his demographic of what he's writing on this, on this scroll. So now he's going to give a, paint a picture, an imagery, to give them an analogy for them to understand their win. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? And the people of Corinth are like, yeah, we win to play the game. We get it. What are you trying to get at? Do you not know that in a race, all the runners, so he's asking this kind of this rhetorical open-ended question, like, okay, continue, St. Paul, we get it. Yeah, we all, we're running to, okay, we're not just running for the sake of running, we're running to try to get the, to try to get the, the, the feather, no, what's the thing, the, whatever, the laurel thing, okay? We're trying to run to get that, the crown, okay? That's what, we're, that's what we're running to get, trying to get. Run in such a way as to get the prize. But Paul's telling him, okay, just as, just as you run to try to get that, 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 that laurel thing, I should have written down the name of that thing, the laurel crown, just as you run to get the laurel crown, just to get that little thing, okay, run in your life to try to, 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 try to win the prize as well. Okay, you do that for the Olympics. You, well, I don't know if the Olympics started then, but you do that. You do that for, for running, okay? You do that on Saturday morning when you go running. Okay, you, try to, you, you sign up for this marathon, you try to win the crown, okay? But do you do that for your life? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games Go into strict training. He's speaking their language. Yeah, we get it, man. We train. Yeah, we stretch. And we do all the stuff we train before the marathon, before the run. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone just running aimlessly or just running just for the sake of running and just kind of just running around in circles. I do not fight like a boxer just kind of just hitting the air. I, I, I'm not doing that. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. What, Paul? I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave? And they're probably just reading this like, what is he talking about? Paul is saying something that we all get. If I kind of follow my emotions or I follow my hormones or I follow what my body wants me to do, then I wake up the next morning and realize, what on earth did I do? But Paul's saying, you know what? I don't want to just be led by, by, my, by my body or my, my selfishness. I don't want to be led by that. I want to be led by something so much bigger than that. There's something inside of me that, that's pursuing more, that's curious of more. I want to be led by that. I don't want to be led by my selfish part or what I want right now or what I want from tonight. I, don't, I want to just be led by that because that, that's when I wake up with regrets. I don't want to be led by that. This is why, my friends, for 2,000 years, an integral part to our pre-denominational faith is fasting. This is why it's an integral part to who we are. It's not, oh, we've got to fast, no more chicken, no more. It's not about that. It's so I can discipline my body in order to achieve something so much more. 
that I can just, you know, have some type of discipline to strict myself in this way in order to pursue something so much bigger than myself. No, I strike a bullet to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's saying, for, in order for me to reach my prize, my win, which is, to, it's, it, which is to, to win others just as I has been won, if that's my win in my life, then I have to make sure that I'm not led by my selfishness or, 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 or with the brokenness inside of me or my body. I want to make sure that it's, that it's a slave, that I have it under control in order for me to reach something so much bigger than myself. Before I get to this quote, you don't win by just wishing. And you don't win just by praying. I hate to break it. There has to be a game plan. You have to determine what's important to you and put it on paper and move in that direction. For me personally, you hear this phrase being, for me, saying it a lot because it's true to me. I say, pursuing something bigger than yourself, bigger than yourself, bigger than yourself. When, when my wife and I, when Sarah and I, when we first you know, when we first started dating and we got closer to marriage and we knew that we're moving in this direction, we both had this conversation of where are we going? You would, you can, you don't, you don't choose, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to, but I'm telling you the truth. Priest, like, the, priesthood was not in the picture at all, okay? She was an architect, I was a dentist, we were moving in that direction, and we said, you know what? We want to live for something bigger than ourselves. We want to live for something bigger than ourselves. We didn't know what that looked like. We didn't know. We didn't know how. We didn't have an action plan to say, "Okay, well, you know, in two years you're going to do this." No, we didn't have a plan. But we had the win. We had the vision. We had where we're wanting to go. We said, "Okay, you know what? If we're if we're wanting our marriage to look different than than, than just you know marriage of just wanting to eat out or just marriage of just 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 for the sake of getting married or for tax purposes, if we're wanting something more than that, then it has to look different from now. We have to set the win from now of where we're wanting to go." And for our win that we still stay till today is wanting to live for something bigger than ourselves. And we've made it a win for us as we wanted to implement that in our, in our child as well. That I want her to grow up and say, yeah, like, yeah, mom and dad are always inviting people to our house. We're always doing this at church. We're always doing Because I, I want her to grow up and say, yeah, like my parents, yeah, they maybe went overboard with the whole church thing, but they live for something bigger than themselves. They were not living for themselves. They were living for something so much bigger than themselves. Then up to, as she gets older, it's up to her if she wants to continue to walk toward Christ or not. But I want to, to, to set the, 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 the road for her to move in that direction. But I always want her to see, they say, yeah, mom and dad were annoying at times. But you know what? They live for something bigger than themselves. What is your win? Again, single people. If your win is marriage, you can't date like everyone else. If your win is marriage, you cannot date like everyone else. Married people, if your win is marriage, you can't be married like everyone else. You can't just say the goal is that you know we're sticking together, or we, you know our goal is that you know we may, we can bury each other when we go on vacation. Is that is that is that where the goal is? What's your win? Just one suggestion is tap into the original divine design of marriage to find out what that win is for marriage. If we're in it, okay, let's tap into the core of the original design of what it's intended to be. Or what's the win for why it was designed? Why am I married? What's the original design of why this marriage exists? Or why I pursued marriage? What's the win? What I want to share now is a meditation from an early Christian from the year 374 AD. His name is St. Ambrose of Milan. So he's from Spain. And I'm going to share a quote that he said from the fourth century. What's very fascinating about St. Ambrose 
There's, he's, he had a beautiful meditations, very deep, very deep and rich meditations from Scripture uh, that we're about to read right now. And he was actually one of the earliest Christians to propose something in liturgical worship. He was the one that proposed that liturgical worship should be antiphonal, which means like one side says one verse and the other side says another. So he was one of the first people in ancient Christianity to propose that being a centerpiece of the Eucharist or when we come to celebrate the liturgy. So that's one of the things, just your FYI for the day. But anyway. Listen to this beautiful meditation that he has. As he is reading the letter that St. Paul wrote to Corinth, as he's reading what we just read, this is his beautiful meditation of what he read in the year 374 AD. Like an athlete, he comes last into the arena. So let me, so I can paint the picture so you can understand where he's coming from. He's writing this as if like an athlete is coming to a coliseum. So as a gla you know, gladiator, yeah, you know, okay. So that, that, that's the kind of like the picture that he's, he's painting. Like an athlete, he comes last into the arena. He lifts his eyes to heaven. He sees that his whole task awaits him. He chastises his body. He disciplines his body. He fasts to prep his body. You get this. Athletes do that, right? He chastises his body so that it will not defeat him in the contest. He anoints it with the oil of mercy. What is St. Ambrose saying that's historically true and what is he saying now an athlete a gladiator he walks into the arena he chastises his body he disciplines it and he anoints his body with oil because he knows he's about to get some wounds he knows he's about to be cut up as he's about to fight in the Colosseum so he anoints his body to prep it for for ointment this is something they literally did like I just learned this this week so I didn't know that they, they anointed their bodies with oil to prep for what was about to come in the battle how do you prep yourself for the battle that comes in your marriage, with your kids, with the conflicts with your boss, with the issues that come in your family? How do you prep yourself with that? With the oil of mercy in this hospital. It, I, it, nothing bothers me more as, 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 as a priest. When, when, if I tap myself into this reality to find healing from Christ at his church, this is what will equip me to make better life decisions so I don't get to a point of like, how did I get myself into this point? If I continue to find nourishment here and, and, and tap into that divine reality, then I can deal with the conflicts in my marriage, deal with the conflicts with, with life better because I'm tapping into that reality, into that oil of mercy to, to, to prep myself for the wounds that will happen to me as I walk out these doors. He anoints it with the oil of mercy. St. Ambrose continues. He practices daily exhibitions of virtue. This athlete continues to live a virtuous life. He runs with assurance to the goal of the course. He runs with assurance to the goal of the course. He aims his blows. He darts his arms, but not at empty spaces. And I love how he ends this quote. Earth is man's training ground. Heaven, his crown. Earth is man's training ground. Heaven, his crown. This is why, for 2,000 years, ancient Christians would come together in a room like this, break bread like we do now, and we're all facing the same direction. We're all facing east because, yes, earth is our training ground, but heaven is what we're aiming for. We know there has to be more to life than this. Regardless of your, of your ideology, your worldview, there's something inside of all of us looking for something a little bit more. And we kind of understand there has to be more to life than this. 
This is why we are all pursuing the east together. Because what comes from the east? Life. What comes from the east? Light. We're pursuing that all together. That I stand with you. And we're all facing this way together. Pursuing something more. And this is why when we state our mission statement as followers of Christ, when we say the creed together, we, 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 we recite it. And then there's one part that we belt out and we sing and, we, and we, we chant from the top of our lungs. We look for the resurrection of the dead and for the life that is to come. Because we know there has to be more to life than this. Earth is man's training ground. Heaven is his crown. What is your win? Is your win your 401k? Is your win to, to, to get this or that? Is your win just to get married for the sake of marriage? Is your, men, is, is your win just to keep our kids busy and just do 10,000 activities so they can just behave and be successful? Whatever that means. What's our win? What is our win? Is heaven our training ground? Or is this our end goal? Don't run like someone running aimlessly. You don't get in your car and just start, start doing circles around 285. You don't do that. So why would you do that in your life? You don't do that when you get in a car. You have a win to where you, your end destination is. Do we have a win for your marriage? Do you have a win for your relationships? Or is it just kind of just following? You're, you're going by else to someone else's win, and you're just following that, or just what society tells you. I get it. Listen, we all just subconsciously follow the win that society has set for us. But I'm, what, I'm, what I'm praying for me and for you, for us to pause. What is my win? What is my win? Am I just running aimlessly? And make your body your slave. Yeah, that doesn't sound like, that doesn't, sound like, doesn't give you a nice warm feeling. But make your body your slave. We get it. When we follow our mind, when we follow our heart, when we follow our, our brokenness inside, this is where we have regrets in life. This is where we, 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 we pull ourselves away from the love of our Father. But if I, if I, if I practice the richness and beauty of some of the disciplines and exercises of our pre-denominational faith, if I practice that, if that's prostration, if it's just doing the sign of the cross, if it's, if, if it's fasting, if it's just modifying my diet, this can have a huge impact for me to reach for something so much bigger than myself. And don't fight like a boxer beating the air. Play to win the game. We're in December. Nobody, I think we've reached a part in society where no one likes to talk about New Year's resolutions anymore. I get it. Because can we talk about it and then like February comes and like we're done. What's your win? What's your win going into a new decade? What's your win for your kids? What's your win for your marriage? If it's, you know, we, we manage each other, we, we bear each other, okay. Look to see what's, what's a higher win. Your kids, is it just... For them to behave and just for them to be good in school, okay. You kind of know there's more to life than school. What are you equipping them for? What is your win? Because we play to win the game. And earth is our training ground, training ground, and heaven is our crown. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we are living a life just going 10,000 miles per hour. And we're always busy just trying to go for the next thing and for the next thing. But I ask you, God, that you can take this message and allow it to dive into all our hearts, including me, for us to pause and maybe to have that uncomfortable conversation with our loved ones or those around us or even with ourselves. What's my win for 2020? Where am I going for? 
What, what, what's, what's, what, what's my, what's, how am I casting a vision for something bigger than myself? How am I equipping myself to get to that point? Lord, give us the endurance and the strength to move in that direction and for us to kind of just lower the volume of the noise around us in this world so we can have a clear vision of who you are and a clear vision of the command that you have asked us to do for us to love one another with no boundaries. Through the prayers of St. Ambrose and of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but the rest from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.